Hey, Ben. How are you? Uh, let's get your... You can't start off with a little freeze. Am I freezing? Uh, uh, no. Okay. I'm going to make sure our service is, is, is good here. Um, all right. How's your day? Great day. You know, first day of summer. Longest day of the year. Yep. Um, had a great day, you know. Probably have a great night, too. Oh, look at that. Look at that. That's me and sister. Uh, there's me and Kelly. Uh, if you guys uh, want to learn about Evolve, uh, check that out. Um, that was that was a topic discuss, discussed um, in the Common Sense MD today uh, with Loose Skin. Uh, so thank you, team, for, uh, for putting that up there for us. Um, so let's get to... Doc, you ready for some questions here? I'm ready. Thank you. All right. All right, let's get to, um, I, I, this is kind of a fun one to start off with. What did Ernie say about knees over toes guy? Have you, have you, have you talked with him about it? Yeah, I have. He's really fascinated at that. You know, we're always taught to exercise. Um, like when you do a squat or a lunge, uh, not to have your knees extend past your toes. And this guy, who's a fairly famous guy, um, researcher um, came up with a theory that you should have your knees over your toes, you know, strengthens up your knee instead of weakens it. Also your hamstring. So yeah, if anybody wants to talk to Ernie about that or come see him, let him evaluate your, you know, your extremities or anything. Ernie's like the magic man. He's a healer. He's, he's a physical therapist. Of course, that works in my office. It's been my friend for, 40 years probably. So he's my age, has a lot of experience, to, trained at Northwestern in Chicago. And he's just a wonderful, wonderful person. And, well, and, uh, and one thing that says about Ernie is, you know, Ernie's around your age and has been a physical therapist for, you know, 35, 34, 36 years. And, uh, and he's still learning. And, and I, I love that about him. He's still open to new ideas. And I think you and him are, are, very like-minded in that way where, you know, this is evolving. We, we learn yeah, stuff. Because a lot, a lot of what we both learned in, in school is completely wrong. You know, that's what you find out in my aspect about, of course, about nutrition, about treating diabetics and, and, uh, when to eat, what to eat, how to exercise, um, medications. You, you have to keep up and keep an open mind. I'm kind of like an open skeptic is what I am. Um, that's why I'll describe myself. So, um, and I don't have to see a double blind placebo controlled trial to believe something, but use common sense and experience. And, um, you know, you can learn a lot that way. I learn a lot from patients. I learn a lot on this podcast about things, um, you, through different patients telling me stuff. Yeah. I think honestly learning, I, I learn a ton just by one, trying to pronounce all the words that, uh, come in from, from the people watching, uh, but also the comments are so much, uh, value in the comments. So I'll remind the people that are with us live, make sure you, you, uh, keep up within the, with, uh, what's in the comments. A lot of times, uh, the answers there are better than the answers on the screen. So, uh, so stay tuned there. Um, I'm going to get to this, uh, last minute qu question, um, which was top of mind for me. So thank you. Uh, does the Cleveland heart panel measure heavy, uh, heavy metal levels? If no, what test does, and can I have that checked at performance medicine? 
Um, no, the Cleveland panel does not check for heavy metals. But however, the lab we use, Quest Labs, has just come up with a new panel for heavy metal testing. So we do offer it at our office. Um, so that's that's a good test to get checked, especially if you're chronically tired or you think you have been exposed to a lot of heavy metals, which a lot of people have. Um, so it is available through Quest Labs. Um, is, it just, is it just called heavy metals? Heavy metal panel. Um, all right, and Qu there's Quest Labs all over the place. Um, so a heavy metal panel, uh, if you guys are wanting to, uh, to check into that. Um, this is a great question, and I know it's a, it's a very common one. Um, how do I curb cravings for sweets after a meal? I try to eat healthy most meals, but after every meal, all I can think about is something sweet. And it goes on to say, I've tried fat-free cottage cheese with unsweetened fruit a bite of peanut butter or a couple of dark chocolate kisses. Uh, what can I do? This is a great question. That is a good question. You know, I find myself craving the same thing. You know, I guess you're so ingrained on eating dessert. You know, you kind of grow up that way. And um, so it's kind of almost psychological. So I find that if you wait 20 minutes, don't eat dessert for 20 minutes, you won't crave it. Drink an extra glass of water. And I also find that if you... If you drink a little bit of, mix a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar with water and drink that before you eat your meal, I think that curbs it. Um, you know, you probably have a little bit of insulin resistance. Um, what happens is when you eat a meal, um, your pancreas releases insulin uh, to control uh, your blood sugars to make sure that uh, the, the job of insulin is to put the sugar from your blood into your cells for energy. So you're obviously going to have more insulin after you eat. So insulin makes you crave carbs. You know, it's a fat storing hormone, changing carb craving hormone. So sometimes you will feel like you need more carbs, especially sweet carbs, high glycemic carbs. So um, sometimes I'll put people on uh, supplements that'll, curb that, you know, like berberine. I like that one a lot. Sometimes alpha lipoic acid, uh, cinnamon, uh, those type of things. And, you know, you should get a Boston or a, excuse me, a Cleveland heart panel just to make sure that your insulin levels aren't too high. And sometimes I'll even have you come into the office and get a fasting insulin level. Then I'll have you go eat a bagel with jelly on it. Come back in, in an hour, hour and a half. I get another uh, insulin level. If it's popped way up, then you could benefit by, you know, having something to kind of moderate that, that insulin response like metformin, um, or berberine, or maybe even Ozempic, which we talked about in our, uh, podcast this week. Um, so, um, but yeah, that's, a, that's a very common thing, you know, and it's, it's a real thing. It's, it's a real metabolic craving usually caused by insulin. So um, make sure you too, if you don't eat a lot of carbs during your meal, eat more good fats because they keep you full longer and satisfy you better. Um, and what my uh, help is, is just to kind of piggyback on what you said. Uh, lastly, there's, is the order in which you eat your food. Uh, would that, yeah. would that also right. eat uh, the protein and fat first and the carbs last? Um, and you probably, and don't eat too fast either. Slow down your eating. That makes a lot of difference. 
Uh, great question there. Thank you so much for for putting that uh, putting that so in. Um, let's see here. I'm gonna go to. Let's see where are we at. Um, okay. Um, 55-year-old friend out of nowhere this week had heart attack, and they found 95% blockage of the right coronary artery. What screening test should we do? What would you do on your patients around this age to try to determine this blockage was happening before it got to this extreme point? Uh, I know this is kind of a sweet spot for you, uh, so take it away. Yeah. Well, fortunately, they had an RCA blocked, which is your right coronary artery, which is the one, if you had to choose, that'd probably be the one I would choose instead of your uh, left anterior descending, your widow maker. So that's not too uncommon. Um, you know, so yeah, you want to, you want to try to do screening tests so you prevent this. So there's two tests that I really like to do. Um, and that is a, of course, a Cleveland heart panel to see uh, what all your your metabolism looks like, your insulin levels, your inflammatory markers, your cholesterol, the size of your particles, um, your TMAO, which is an interesting test to determine whether or not you should be eating eggs or red meat. It's on the Cleveland. Uh, your homocysteine levels. There's so much more to it than just total cholesterol, HDL, LDL. That doesn't tell you much at all. Um, so, um, and also a CT calcium scoring which is a CAT scan of your coronary arteries uh, that determines calcifications to see if you are building up blockage. Um, and also I like to do a um, uh, carotid IMT test, uh, which is just a carotid ultrasound on the neck to determine the thickness of that innermost layer of your, of your carotid artery um, to see if you're prone to forming soft plaque. The CT calcium is hard plaque which correlates somewhat with soft plaque, but doesn't tell the whole story. So you get those and, you know, you should really start this about, you know, men at age 40, women, maybe 45 or sooner, depending on your risk factors. Um, you got to look at all that stuff and, you know, your blood pressure, of course, you need to be aware of, you know, I put most people at 40 on a baby aspirin you know, every day to try to, you know, thin your blood a little bit. I've been doing it since I was 40. Women, sometimes I'll wait till 50, maybe when your hormones start dropping, that's when you get heart disease. That's why we do so much hormone work. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely that's, you know, it's fortunate because um, if your friend had a heart attack, you know, 50% the first, there's a, there's a famous um, test question. Um, what is the most obvious sign that somebody's having a heart attack. This is a medical school question. And people guess, um, is it uh, dull chest pain? Is it arm pain? Is it sweating? Is it nausea? Um, you know, uh, shortness of breath. But that, those are all wrong answers. The most common presentation of a heart attack is sudden death. So, and that's in about half of heart attacks. So I don't know if your friend had a heart attack or just the chest pain and they found the blockage and prevent a heart attack. But so, um, you know, that's a really, really good uh, uh, question. Half of all people that have heart attacks have normal cholesterols. But if you dig deeper into it, I guarantee you they've got some inflammation going on or maybe 
the particle size is small and dense and more likely to attach to the arterial wall. So there's a ton of stuff that you can do to screen for and prevent cardiac disease and heart attacks, that's, which kills, that's the biggest killer in the world. So um, great question. So get those tests done, um, you know, no matter what your risk factors are. It's just, you know, one risk factor is being a man, you know. So um, definitely a 40 and plus year old man is, is a risk factor for heart disease. And then the women catch up really soon at 50. So uh, um, good question. Great question. Out of curiosity, uh, because of what you said with heart attacks and, you know, basically sudden death, would what they're describing, would that still be considered a cardiac event? Like a, like an event? Definitely. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, cause I know, I know certain, you know, when, when we've talked to cardiologists, they, they, they look at you different, you know, if you've had an event or not, is that correct? Well, they probably do. I mean, they, uh, whether they should or not, who knows, but yeah, I mean, you have to be more careful and more planning, but that's definitely a cardiac event. Anybody that has a stent or blockage has had a cardiac event, whether or not it caused myocardial damage or not, you know, maybe not but uh, it's still an event. Uh, it's a great question. Thank you for, for putting that in there. Um, okay, let's get to a, let's see, I uh, got a COVID question somewhere. Um, okay. Um, my husband has COVID for the second time. Uh, he tested positive on Sunday the 19th. He has a lot of chest congestion, but is more like a bad cold, no temp. Uh, he does, however, have COPD, uh, and they go over a little bit what they're doing. Uh, the doctor on call put him on uh, cephalexin, 500 milligrams twice daily, 600 mucinex twice daily, and Paxlovid. Um, and then the question is, uh, I had him start on Dr. Rogers' COVID cocktail of vitamins and supplements, but I've taken him off most because of not knowing what to give with Paxlovid. And here's what they're putting. That's what they're doing. Uh, I'm giving 1,000 vitamin C, 8,000 IUs of D3, 50 zinc, 3 baby aspirin. Can I still give quercetin and NAC, and what other supplements can he take with this? Um, as the doctor on call, she had not heard of, of, of these. What's your thoughts on this? It yeah, doesn't, doesn't surprise me that they haven't heard of them. But, um, yeah, Paxlovid is a mon an oral monoclonal antibody, probably the only monoclonal antibody that's shown to have any effectiveness with this Omicron variant, which is a lot milder. I mean, you know, it's really mild usually but I still treat it aggressively because in certain patients, like maybe a COPD patient, they could still get really sick with it. Um, so yes, Paxlovid has kind of been a disappointment in a way in that um, there's a lot of rebound after you take, um, you know, a week later, you can still have a, you know, rebound and, and you get it again. Um, so we're seeing more and more of that. I've used it on a few patients that, um, you know, we're at risk. I don't use it on anybody that doesn't have any risk. They have to be old and maybe have some heart disease, diabetes, or COPD. Um, so I'm not against it at all. Um, it, it's somewhat effective. Um, but I would still use the other protocol as well. It's not going to interfere with it. Um, I'd use the whole protocol, you know, including the ice cream um, and the high, higher dose vitamins and, um, you know, I probably wouldn't use cephalic. I would use Zithromax or maybe doxycycline. Um, you know, they're, I think they're more effective 
for that. But um, and hitting it with a high dose vitamins. The only thing I would not take the, uh, the uh, there's two medicines you don't want to take at the same time. The ice cream, if you know what I mean, for that, and the Quercetin. Separate those doses. It wouldn't hurt you. It just wouldn't. It wouldn't be as effective to do it that way. Um, certainly the zinc and what the what the uh, quercetin or the ice cream do is drive the zinc into the cell to kill the virus. So very effective for that. Um, so, you know, I would still pop up, you know, I'm a big believer in using 50,000 of D3 um, a day, day for five days. And certainly um, I usually give uh, 2,000 twice a day C and the NAC, of course, is good. Um, the aspirin, I think, is real good. Um, a lot of people use omegas as well. Um, there's some other medications that we sometimes will add in there, like Luvox. Um, it just depends on the situation. Everybody's a little different. And we follow these patients really closely day by day in case there's changes. On day five, if they're not improving, especially somebody with COPD, I may add a, a, a prednisone. Um, do that. So, but keep an eye on your O2 sats and certainly the mucinex may help clear out things. Um, sometimes, you know, watch that O2 sat really closely and sometimes use supplemental oxygen as well. Um, I'm not having to do that as much with this new variant, the, the Omicron, BA4, BA5, who knows. But um, so that's the good news. He, he should get better. Um, especially if this is the second go around, um, because I think you get some immunity uh, from the first go around. So he should do well. If there's any, you get any problems, call our office because we're pretty experienced in treating this. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people aren't really. Um, uh, so, th uh, well, thank you for that question. And, and we'll certainly be thinking about your husband. Um, I saw, I saw, I talked to a patient today, as a matter of fact, while I was doing a pellet, she was sad. Her both her mother and her sister died of COVID. They lived in Ohio, one day apart, mm. and they'd both been in the emergency room and not treated. And finally went back, and of course got on a vent. And both of them died. And this patient uh, also got it, but followed the protocol, did fine. So that's a sad, it's just sad what happened in a lot of cases. So. We'll be thinking about you, about your husband. Ho hopefully, he recovers uh, uh, super fast, super fast. Um, all right, guys. So what we're going to do is we're going to go to the live questions here. That does it for the questions that came in through the week. Uh, thank you to everybody who uh, shot us an email or reached out uh, via Facebook or Instagram. Uh, I see we got uh, Katie. What's going on? I see we've got. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Rachel's in here. All right, we've got the whole crew. Uh, Anthony, I see your question. Cool. Uh, we will get to all of these. So, um, uh, Jay Jenkins, I see you, uh, over on YouTube. Um, all right, we're going to get to live questions, guys. Uh, so if you guys have a question for Doc, put them in the comments and I or someone on the team will, will find that. Um, let's get to, uh, to Roel's. Doctor, when a 50-year-old woman is on bio biomedical cream uh could be bio biomedical cream is it okay if the compound is from soy and not yams I, i'm assuming this is uh bioidentical hormones yeah probably um you know 
soy is pretty estrogenic, but you know, you're using uh, estrogen. So in a woman, you know, it's not too bad. Um, you know, I, I prefer the yams, but in a woman with cream, I don't think it's going to make a whole lot of difference, to be honest with you. Great question. I don't think anybody's ever asked me that, but um, at least she's on bioidentical hormone cream and, you know, hopefully getting the proper form of uh, estradiol and estriol. Um, biased, not triest, uh, which has estrone in it. But uh, yeah, it'll probably be fine. Follow the levels and, you know, see clinically how she does. But that's uh, yeah, a good time to get on bioidentical hormone cream. So I'm not real picky about the, the soy versus a yam in, in a woman. In a man, I would prefer yams, of course. But um, good question. Uh, thank you for that, Roel. Um, let's see here. Uh, Barbara's question, uh, doc, what's your thoughts on ginseng for energy? Um, a lot of people like it for energy. They like it for, you know, memory, brain function. Um, yeah, I, I think a lot of people do take it. There's a lot of different forms of it and, you know, how much is in it. The, the problem with ginseng is the quality control on it sometimes is not that great and you're not sure how much real stuff you're getting, but, um, that's certainly, you know, the top three of, uh, medications for memory for sure. Um, so try it and see if, see if you like it. All right, thank, hurt you. thank you for that, Barbara. Uh, let's get to, to Anthony's question over on Facebook. Is it typical for testosterone pellets to be of lower dosage compared to shots to maintain the same blood testosterone level? And if so, are there benefits to the lower dose, such as lower estrogen conversion? That's a great question. Yeah, I mean, you definitely get less uh, aromatization to estradiol from uh, the pellets. Um, so really, you know, when you put pellets in, um, it's not that you're putting a lower dose in, uh, because typically, like, we're putting usually about eight, 200 milligram uh, pellets in there. And when we give a shot, you know, you do 200 milligrams a week, IM or, or less, that, that's kind of an average dose, I guess, but um, depending, but you certainly, um, the pellets are compacted to release at a slow rate. So it's more physiologic what you're going to get per day, uh, a milligram per day, than you would be for a shot, for sure. You know, I'm good with shots. Uh, pellets are probably the best way to get hormones, male or female, just because of that slow control rate. Um, I certainly like it better than, I don't use many creams on men, rarely. Just I don't think they're, work, they work as well. Women do okay with them, but most people that get pellets don't go back, you know, to creams uh, or shots. Um, but great question. Uh, thank you for that, Anthony. Um, let's get to uh, Vicky's question. My mother is 83 years old with COPD and takes uh, lisinopril and metropolol for higher blood pressure and coronary artery disease. She also suffers with arthritis and chronic pain all over her body. Wondering what you think of CBD gummies and are they safe for her with the meds she is on? Definitely, definitely. You know, I wish she lived in Virginia. We'd think about getting her the real thing. Mm -hmm. um, maybe she does. But, uh, yeah, a CBD is certainly safe. Um, you know, 
chronic pain is a really, it's a topic that um, is just incredibly uh, fraught with misinformation and suffers. I mean, I'm, I'm actually watching Dope Sick uh, for the second time. And I just read a great book that um, I'm going to do a book review on uh, here in the next week or two about chronic pain, which is much different than acute pain. It has to be treated differently. But, um, you know, with the, uh, the opiate epidemic, um, which is what Dope Sick, the miniseries uh, on Hulu is about, that's really telling. You watch that miniseries and you're really, your eyes are going to open up about, um, you know, pharmaceutical industry, government, etc. So you need to, you need to, to watch that. It's, it's, it's very real because I was there when it was going on and I saw it firsthand and uh, just depressing really, but um, it's something that everybody should watch. But uh, CBD gummies are great. You should try them. Um, there's nothing. It's not going to hurt you at all. It's not going to affect your respiratory rate um, like opiates do. Um, you know, even uh, medical marijuana doesn't affect your respiration. So that'd be safe, too. So, um, man, you know, uh, especially if, you you know, your, your appetite's down, you have a lot of nausea, you can't eat right. Those are some good options. It really is. Um, but uh, I, I hope she finds some relief through some of the CBD. Uh, you know, we keep them in our office and uh, there's different types of CBD for different uses. So, um, you know, we talked to a lot of experts about it and uh, it certainly, I think, helps pain. It helps anxiety. Um, it helps you sleep. Um there's a lot of things you can do uh, for chronic pain, um, even, you know, things that are kind of outside the box, um, like LDN, like oxytocin, um, et cetera. So um, even hormone therapy. Uh, so I hope she does okay. Um, and if we can help, let us know. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Vicki. Um Dennis is asking, what is your current protocol if you're a patient of yours and you take a COVID home test and it is positive? Um, before you answer that, Katie, if we, if we say anything wrong on this, uh, let us know, respond to, uh, to, to this comment here from, from Dennis. But um, how, how are we for current yeah, patients? Hey, Dennis, just, just call the office. Yeah, you're going to get treated. You know, if you, have, if you just call tomorrow, um, any of you or your family or people get it, call in the office. We'll, we'll uh, talk to you and get you treated um, for sure. All I hope right. you're doing well. But yeah, you know, if you have a negative COVID test, it really doesn't mean a lot. Um, I've, I've had people that tested on their negative, 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 negative on their fifth test is positive. They've obviously have COVID. So a negative test doesn't mean a lot. A positive test with symptoms means you probably have COVID. Um, so whether it be a PCR or, or even a rapid test, but, uh, and certainly we are seeing a little surge in that right now as well. So it's out there. Fortunately, it's not, it's not as bad as it was. Um, but yeah, call the office, Dennis. 
Um, thank you for, for that question, Dennis, and, and uh, hope, you're, hope you're feeling okay, and uh, we'll be thinking about you. Um, okay, let's get to, uh, where, where am I at here? I see Grandma Mary's here. Grandma Mary, how's it going? Love you. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, this, see from Jay Jenkins. Hello. What causes tiring burning of muscles after simply brushing hair or folding laundry? Anything that can help with that? Uh, um, uh, thank you. Um, it's a little general there. Um, any, anything kind of stand out to you, Doc? So it's more muscle pain than joint pain. I mean, it'd be a lot of things that, that can cause that. It makes, makes you wonder if it's some kind of drug reaction or allergic reaction. Viruses can certainly do that. Um, depends on how long it's been going on. I had a patient like that yesterday. I didn't even draw a CPK level um, to, to see if they had muscle damage. Um, but something's going on if you haven't obviously overtrained or strained yourself um but a lot of times it's a viral illness um that can cause this and a lot of times we never know but um if it's you have any other symptoms it's certainly like really bad fatigue it's certainly something that needs work up and probably some blood work um especially if it's something new and you haven't had this before mm. A lot of people with fibromyalgia will, will complain of this, but usually that's more of a chronic thing. Uh, uh, thank you for, for putting that question in there, Jay Jenkins. Um, let's go to Bianca's question here. Uh, could a healthy person request the CT calcium score and carotid IMT test and then file with insurance, or do you have to have a diagnosis to file these? Nice. Well, here's one thing. Insurance doesn't pay for these. They're really inexpensive, though. So, yeah, you can schedule your own CT calcium. I think here in the Tri-Cities are about $60. Insurance does not cover them. Um, but it's the deal of the century because you have a radiologist that looks at it, and you have a cardiologist that looks at it. So um, they scan your lungs as well as your coronary arteries. So, and the CT, carotid IMT, um, you know, not, every, not a lot of people do those, but you can search out, I'm sure, in Nashville, a lot of people are probably doing, especially if you go to a, a clinic that's, you know, does any advanced type of medicine. We have a company that comes out of Atlanta once a month to do them in our office, but uh, it's a good test. Uh, but insurance will not cover them. So, but they're not expensive. Uh, great question, Bianca. Um, I, I did not know that about the CT calcium score. That is a heck of a deal. I don't see how they do it. That's awesome. Yeah. That is great, guys. They do so many of them, I guess. They just, I don't know how they do it for that. But, uh. Uh, well, goodness, that's awesome. Um, all right, let's get to, to Mark's question here. Uh, I like this question, um, and we'll keep this, we'll keep this general, of course, uh, in, in your answer. Uh, in what ways has the events of the pandemic made you into a better physician? Which of those things are you now likely to share with the next generation of health practitioners? I really like it. That is a good question. Makes me have to think about that one, Mark. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I guess because I'm not, you know, I'm a solo practitioner, and which I prefer it that way. So in other words, I'm not hooked into a hospital system or a big 
corporate medicine to where I have to do what they say. And they were denying treatment for, for that, for COVID. So I was able to um, treat and also think, I try to think outside the box. The thing that makes you a better physician is, is being a, an open skeptic to where, you know, you're not afraid to practice medicine. And, um, uh, and that's what it is, the practice of medicine. We learn things every day. So in that way, it made me think a lot more about ways that I could, you know, save lives and help people out of an acute situation, especially from the phone, you know, from uh, talking to people on the phone and uh, or even see them, see them live, you know, by telemedicine. Um, so it just made me think outside the box and search for different novel ways to treat people, including the repurposing of medications for other things. So I really did a lot of research, constant reading and, um, you know, it brought me closer to the patient because when people, you know, at risk of dying, you know, you, you have to really, you can't just shrug those things off. So, yeah, I'm hoping, you know, future doctors, um, I can teach. You know, I love teaching other physicians. I, I see a lot of physicians in my practice. Um, and, you know, be empathetic. I think one of the, the biggest things you can be, be as a doctor is be empathetic, you know, um, have feelings, really care about those people. And if you do that, you're going to go the, the extra lengths to, to treat them and to, and to help them out and uh, be honest with them when things are going south. You know, <laughs> the, the more you practice medicine, the older you get, the more honest, you know, the more direct, I guess. I'm always honest with patients, but the more direct, you know, uh, you get because you don't have time to kind of um, – you know, skirt around the issues of what can happen. You have to be really direct. Hey, this, this thing can kill you. We need to act now. We can't wait. You know, um, if the hospital won't treat you, we will treat you now. And we went to, my staff was just incredible. I think I burned a lot of them out during COVID. I really did. Um, there's no doubt. <laughs> um, and we wore a couple pharmacies out too that were willing to abide by our protocols and get stuff filled. So um, a lot of those technicians probably quit to, <laughs> at the end of it. A lot of healthcare providers were very burned out by COVID. So you can either let it get you burned out or you can thrive on it because you realize at the end of the day, you're helping people out. And that should be the reason you go into medicine anyway. Um, you know, you can't look at medicine like this is your diagnosis. This is your, code that I have to file for you under your insurance. You're a person who's sick who needs some help. That's that's the way I look at it. So I, in my practice, I'm able to skip all over all the other BS that we have to put up with. I don't do coding. I don't do EMRs in my in the rooms. You know, I write stuff down. I do paper charts. I do I handwrite my prescriptions. Uh, you know, so it's kind of old timey old timey family medicine that's that's really updated on on the new stuff so that's kind of how i think of my practice so i help hope that helps you but i hope 
doctors, I think doctors will learn about this because a lot of them are really disgusted about what happened. Um, I hope so. Uh, great answer there. And I, I think that's a, exactly right. Our, our hope is, has always been uh, that there's, there's more places uh, like performance medicine. A uh, huge shout out to the, uh, to the staff at performance medicine. We've got uh, four locations and, and uh, soon to be five. And man, uh, they are, they're all rock stars. Some of them are with us tonight in the comments, uh, but they, they deserve uh, all the credit in the world uh, for the last couple of years. It's been uh, uh, a real, a real uh, roller coaster for them. Um, so thank you for, for that. Thank you for that question, for prompting that, Mark. Um, let's see here. Let's get to a, a, another question here uh, from Motaz. What's going on? Uh, any real benefits in using vitamin C that has been attached to lipid like liposoeric versus regular vitamin C? Yeah, I like a, the liposomal C is better absorbed. So I do like a liposomal vitamin C. Um, you know, I haven't heard that liposoeric. I like, I'll look that up. But <clears throat> yeah, I do like the liposomal vitamin C, you know, being an engineer, chemist, Motaz knows what he's doing. So, you know, um, anything he looks into is usually uh, on the fifth order, so he knows what he's doing. But you're right on on target with that. Um, thank you for, for, for that, Motaz. Thank you for hanging out, as always. Um, I'm going to put this up here for the Tri-Cities people. Uh, CT calcium score is always $69 at MetaView Outpatient. So if that's of interest to anybody, uh, who lives in the Tri-Cities. Uh, that's what that is. Thank you, Katie, for putting that up there. Um, let's see. It gets to Kathy. I had that awful pain in my back when folding clothes. Uh, okay, so this is another pain when folding clothes. This, um, interesting. I have that awful pain in my back when folding clothes and washing dishes or sweeping. What do you think caused it? It's between my shoulder blades. Um, any any thoughts on that? Uh That could be a lot of things. Hopefully it's just a musculoskeletal strain from posture, sleeping wrong. Um, but, you know, a pain in your back that doesn't go away, especially if it's severe, um, then I, I like to have an x-ray to look at things. Um, you know, it's probably not anything terrible like a dissecting aorta or anything. But, um, uh, you know, in general... You don't worry as much as like when you move or twist around and that makes it worse, you know, by movement, it's usually musculoskeletal or if you palpate it, you know, have somebody poke on it and if it's sore right there, it's usually musculoskeletal, um, meaning muscle or bone, tendon, ligament. Um, but if it's a god awful pain that's just there without any reason at all, it's getting worse, you need to have that checked out immediately. Um, you know, I mean, also pain in your back can unrelenting pain in the back that's unexplained needs to be looked at because you could get some odd things with it. Um, you know, um, gallbladder is a great mimicker. I mean, it can, that could cause a weird pain. You could even have women sometimes have cardiac pain that, uh, doesn't, 
present in their chest, go down your left arm like a lot of men do. So women can fool you on cardiac pain. You know, if you're short of breath with it, having other symptoms or it's unrelenting, you need to go in and get that checked out. Um, you know, but if it's movement related and somebody mashes on and it's tender, it's probably musculoskeletal. You can, you know, I use ice or heat, some non-steroidal anti-inflammatories and see if it gets better. Uh, but if it's, if it's awful and it's sudden and it's unrelenting and you don't know why, you need to see a doctor for that um, who has capability of getting some x-rays and, and looking at some things, even an EKG. So I don't, I'm not trying to worry you, but, um, you know, if you're, if when you're doing something that hurts, it's usually musculoskeletal, but, um, uh, a lot of times we just don't know. It just goes away. Um, it could be a pinched nerve yeah. you know, coming from your neck, uh, uh, or under your brachial plexus. So, um, it's something that should be checked out if it doesn't go away in a day or so. Um, thank you for that, great Kathy. Question. Uh, great question. And, and I know a, a lot of people are in, are in very similar uh, situations there. Uh, so thank you for putting that up there. I'm going to put Steve's comment up here. It's Mayberry, man. I love that. Uh, talking about performance medicine. It's Mayberry. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're an Andy Griffith fan, aren't you? Oh, me? Yeah. I love Andy Griffith. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huge. Um, yeah. I'm going to put, uh, I want to, we're getting some comments around the uh, CT calcium score. So I'm going to put up Katie's uh, another comment. You don't even have to have a doctor to order it. Um, so man, it just continues to become a, a sweet, sweet deal. Um, and then uh, Bianca's asking, so CT score is same as CT coronary scan. Is that the same here? Same? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. Okay. Let's get to, I, I want to put this up here and then we'll, We'll start to, to, to round it out, guys, uh, because um, this has something to do with what we talked about in the Common Sense MD uh, with, with Brandy today. Um, so semaglutide has been shown to improve uh, cardiovascular outcomes, primarily involving reduced inflammatory processes within the atherosclerotic plaque. Uh, will it be used to treat CV disease, uh, cardiovascular disease? Yeah. You kind of hinted at this. That's yeah. why I brought this up. Yeah, the, the cardiologists are starting to, to realize that, um, yeah, it's very useful for preventing um, heart failure and coronary artery events. So, um, yeah, I, I think the cardiologists are all over this thing. And, of course, it has all those other side effects like weight loss as well as better diabetic control. Uh, so, you know, this, in this, in my mind, it's, it's the wonder drug of the last few years. It really is. Um, you know, there's a few drugs that come along that change the course of a lot of things like penicillin, insulin, um, Viagra. Uh, <laughs> um, and certainly that, I think that is a wonderful um, new addition to our armamentarium to treat uh, a lot of things. I mean, it even improves um, non-alcoholic fatty uh, liver disease. So, um, so it's a it's a great product, and and you can go look at our podcast. Ben did one, and I did one on it uh, this week, and see the results. It's just it's just an amazing product. Uh, and so. and and for the guys that you haven't seen, there, there's been a couple of common themes I've, I've seen from 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 doc here lately and one is 
Uh, one is the semaglutides, the GLP-1 medications like Ozempic, uh, semaglutide here, uh, but also LDN has been one you've talked a lot about. Because uh, when, when you mention, you know, kind of a wonder drug, I'm thinking of, of the ones you've, you've talked a lot about recently, which uh, certainly seem to be just amazing. LDN uh, just is, you, you said last week, it's the, one of the best kept secrets in um, integrative medicine. So just yeah. kind of. They won't be as well known as, as something like Ozempic because it's not going to be marketed by a drug company. It's off patent. You know, there's no money in it. Uh, but it's a great little add-on and, and can help a lot of people. But, um, you know, the GLP-1 inhibitors, they, they're, they're lifesavers and they're, they're really game changers. So, Awesome. Thank you for that, Mark. Thank you for prompting that. Uh, I want to get to Anita's here. And, uh, and but I'll put this up. Uh, so, Kathy, you're going to see Doc in July? Doc, you're going to see Kathy in July. Um, so... Uh, we look forward to seeing you in Kingsport. Um, we'll check out the. Thank you. If I hope I can check it out. For me, it is bad. What's bad? I don't uh, know what's bad. Uh, this Calcium was, score. No, this was the uh, the this one right here. Um, oh, you're you're back. Okay. The, well, you can come in soon. I'll be in sooner if you if you hear an awful pain, you call my office and we'll work in this week. You don't have to wait till July, please. If you're having some kind of bad pain, do not delay it. Um, Come on in and call and work you in. Um, all right, let's get to, um, let's see here. Uh, let's get to Anita's question. Uh, hi, I stopped by your JC office uh, and asked if I could get a steroid shot in my knee. Uh, your staff told me that you do uh, you do a JOT, but but do offer intra intramuscular platelet rich plasma PRP. Oh, okay, I, I think I understand here. Um, I think the question is, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Anita, um, is not familiar with PRP injections. Um, okay, that we don't do uh, steroid shots in the knee, um, but we do offer uh, PRP injections. Um, can you explain PRP injections for me? Sorry about that, yeah, well, Anita. Number one, yes, we do do steroid shots in the knee. Um, you know, I do those uh, all the time, certainly Jill. My PA in Bristol does them, and, uh, you know, it may have been the provider that there that day didn't do them, but we, mm. uh, you can, you should be able to go to any of my offices, uh, but you, you might want to, um, come into me or Jill, certainly Jill worked at Ortho for 20 years, does a ton of injections in Bristol. So, um, but yeah, we certainly do steroid injections in the knee, but PRP, we also do in the, in the knee which play rich plasma, which is now we, we do those in our Bristol and Kingsborough office. We don't do those in the JC office or the Knoxville offices, uh, yet, but, um, the PRP, um, is a little different with a steroid injection. You're looking for, you know, temporary relief from an inflamed joint for PRP, which stands for platelet rich plasma. It's more for, uh, rejuvenating a knee, healing injured knees. And it's just a, for a little different reason. It's not going to get you the immediate relief that a steroid shot will, but um, it'll do a lot more towards um, healing the knee in the long run. It brings, you know, what we do, we draw your blood and spin it down and get the platelet rich plasma off of it, which is akin to a 
kind of a precursor to stem cells and inject that into the knee and other joints or tendons. We do, you know, we do several different places in the body. I don't put it in backs, um, but uh, certainly we do shoulders, occasionally a hip, a lot of knees, sometimes elbows and, and that such. But um, so there are two different things, but we do both of them. So come in and let us look at and see what we can do. And, uh, you know, we may even order an x-ray to see if you, you know, a, a joint that's kind of getting worn out. So um, I am big on PRP. I think it really helps. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, steroid shots and, and the joints help too, at least temporarily. Sometimes enough to last for a long time. Uh, so... Uh, thank you for that, Anita. And, and I'm, I'm looking here and, and be, pay attention to the comments, guys, because a lot uh, Katie, our, our operations manager, will kind of clarify anything that needs clarification. Uh, so anybody who is interested in PRP joint injections need to have an eval from Ernie. And that's done in the Kingsport office. And uh, that's the only office uh, that we have that does that as of right now. And very soon we'll have it in, uh, in Bristol with Jill. And you can go straight right. to her. Uh, you don't need you don't need to go to Ernie if you go to Bristol. Um, um, Jill is so experienced with this stuff. And and so it, it seemed that we we just didn't have any providers in Johnson City that did knee injections uh, with steroids. Yeah. So so yeah, that that's going to be amazing with Jill because um, you know she has that experience uh, in ortho that is that is pretty phenomenal. I'm looking forward to uh, sending some of these. I'm going to get her to do a PRP on my knee. Uh, as a matter of fact. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I am. Interesting. I am. Interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I get a little wear and tear there when I do squats. It really kind of irritates me, so I'm going to get her to inject mine PRP. Dad, I don't think I've seen you do a squat in 10 years, um, so I don't know if we can blame – I don't know if we can blame it on squats. You, you haven't seen me work out in 10 years either, but um, – <laughs> Grant, I don't do heavy weight squats, but I do – very light squats. Guys, I can tell you one thing. Yeah, Dad is only watching the knees over toes guy. He's not actually doing the exercises. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done knees over toes yet. I have to wait uh, I, for Ernie to give me some guidance on that. But I've been doing. Uh, I've been doing. Um, <laughs> I know. Yeah, we, you we, think we, like I never work out. I work out every day, Ben. <laughs> not here. You're in Knoxville. I'm down here in my basement working out. I'm just. I'm just morning. saying. Uh, I've seen you work out with bands. I've just never seen you. I've never seen you. I've never seen you body weight squat. Well, you haven't been here every day because I do them literally every day. Um, I think the the body, at least the body, sometimes, most of the time I use my 15 pound weight, you know, that bar, that small bar. But I do squats every day and which is the most, maybe that's why my knees hurt. But uh, actually, I think it prevents knee pain. I agree with you. Um, but, but um, yeah, I do those every day. Um, you know, I try to go pretty low, too. Um, well, I, but that's, that's the most important exercise, in my opinion, that you can do is a squat. I, I completely agree. And, and, okay, and there's... I, I want to see him. <laughs> I will say, I... <laughs> I am, I am a, I'm doing a, a couple of the, uh, I think his name's, his name's Ben, um, the knees over toes guy. And I've been doing a couple of his exercises and it really does help a, a whole lot. I've been walking just like Katie was mentioning in the comments, been walking backwards up hills, um, which has been great. Um, so, uh, anyways, I'd encourage anybody to check that guy out. 
Um, so Ike, yeah. is Ike calling it a day? I think Ike's calling it a day. He's, he's getting restless. <laughs> he needs me to take him out. Uh, <laughs> Anita, uh, I'm so excited for you, Anita. Anita's going to call and, uh, and make an appointment with Jill. She's phenomenal. If you want to learn more about oh, yeah. Jill, uh, we've done a few um, outside-the-box episodes with her. So uh, go to the YouTube channel, uh, Performance Medicine's YouTube channel. You'll see uh, a couple videos with uh, – with Jill Henritzi. Uh she's in our Bristol office. Uh, so so get to know her before you uh, come in there. You'll you'll learn a lot just by watching that video with with her and Andy. So, uh, man, Dad, thanks for the time tonight. Oh, thank you, Ben. Thank you, uh, guys. Uh, everybody loves Ike. Goodness, because I I love uh, I, I love Ike too. I got to hang out with him. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably biting. Have I seen him. enough Ike? I think. Yeah, there he is. <laughs> He's got the big paws. I think, you know, he's a mini Bernadoodle, but he's got some pretty big paws here. I think he's going to be bigger than I think. But. He's, he's going to be about six feet. He's, he's going to be about six feet tall on, on, on two feet here. here, here about. <laughs> he's getting heavy. Uh, guys, all right, we're going to call it a, an evening. This has been uh, a wonderful show. Like I said earlier, uh, we are rebranding this show to be the Performance Medicine Show. Uh, same format, we're going to be answering questions, uh, your questions live, as well as taking them uh, throughout the week through uh, email, as well as some of our other social channels like Instagram and Facebook. Um, if you guys if you guys want, and this, other than the CT calcium score, I think this is the second best deal, and that is our, uh, that is our performance weekly. Uh, it has all of our information all in one place. Uh, I can't find the graphic for it, but just sign up for it. It comes out every single Tuesday at 1230. All of our best content throughout the week uh, comes to your email inbox. Uh, so definitely subscribe there. If you guys have not subscribed to the YouTube channel, that is uh, Performance Medicine Central. That is where everything we put out, explain this episodes, outside the box episodes, uh, it all goes to our YouTube channel. So check that out or subscribe if you have not. Uh, no trivia tonight. Bianca, we, we, we have not done the logistics for it quite yet. Um, we are trying to make that super, super cool for you. Uh, so stay tuned. There will be, uh, a, a question of the day, uh, and we'll be doing that, uh, with all the performance medicine shows, uh, not tonight. We're still working out the, the details. Uh, we just want to make that super, super, uh, super valuable for you guys. So stay tuned on that. I know dad's, uh, coming up with questions as we speak, uh, not going through quite to the med school route like last week's, uh, like last week's question, but he'll be very good one last week. Y'all have to come up with a different one, uh, kind of health related. We'll come up yeah. with some health related questions, but Bianca, thank you for putting that in guys. I love you, dad. I love you, man. It's been a blast. Love you. Tell, Bye, tell, tell Ike, I love him too. Okay. I right, see you guys. Let me find my outro. Katie in the, in the comments. Thank you so much, Rachel. I love you guys. Thank y'all for helping out. We'll see you guys next week. Uh, as always, but performance, <laughs> the performance medicine show. See you guys. Don't go away. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.